Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. Yo, what's good? It's Black Trey, and I got a show called Growing Up the Same with Jason Madison, where we talk to guests about their childhood memories that I'm sure everyone can relate to. You even get some life advice at the end. Our show has featured guests like Dom Kennedy, JJ Reddick, Baron Davis, Brian Koppelman. Bomani Jones, Mina Kimes, and many more. Be sure to check us out on the Black Opinions Matter feed under the Count the Dings Network. Oh yeah, and don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe, rate, and review. And also subscribe, rate, and review to the separate Growing Up the Same feed. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of Woke Worlds, of course. I'm your co-host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wosni Lombre. We talking about Haiti today, so you know I had to go with the Haitian pronunciation, Nando. Joined, as always, by my brother and my partner out on the west side of Los Angeles, Fernando Vila. What's going on, brother man? Doing well, doing well. Uh, you know, just recording this right before I head off to Spain on vacation, so I'll be going wow. to Spain. Wepa. Do, do Spanish people say Wepa? Yeah. Is that just Puerto Ricans? No, that's Puerto Ricans. Yeah. <laughs> Spanish people don't say that shit. No. No, no, no. Oh, today. <laughs> nah. Salute to my man Rob Lopez. On today's right. show, on today's show, we're gonna talk about the attempted coup out in Haiti. It's that's just a fucking insane, crazy, ridiculous story. So we're gonna get into that. Uh, but first, man, um, there's a lot of protests going on in Cuba. Uh, the people are protesting a lack of food, lack of resources, lack of everything, uh, medical uh, supplies, medical care. They're just suffering over there in Cuba under the weight of 
an authoritarian regime, a freaking 62-year U.S. embargo that has deprived the country of resources and starved these people out for no freaking reason. Uh, of course, if you turn on your local, not your local, but your national news, if you're local in Miami, you already know the vibes. They talking <laughs> regime change. They talking rev mm -hmm. revolution. They talking U.S. intervention. That's That goes without saying from the expat community. But, you know, if you turn on your MSNBCs, your CNNs, your Democratic Party leaders, your Republican Party leaders, it's a condemnation of the Castro family regime. It's, yo, these guys, it's, you know, grassroots. We need to support the grassroots movement. It's a lot of chatter, Nando. So, you know, yeah. I'm interested to, to hear how you felt about it when you first heard about the protests and your reaction to sort of the discourse here in America in the mainstream anyway. Um, I mean, you know, I you could predict um, right away what, what the discourse was going to be like. It was going to be um, just a zero acknowledgement of the effects of the U.S. embargo on the suffering of the Cuban people and a total blaming of the regime and the system to uh, as to the suffering of the Cuban people. And that, you know what, it, it's like we need to, they, they, they need to, they need to go. Um, I mean, it was just remarkable because the tenor of the coverage this time has been even even more insane than usual because we're seeing guys like the mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez, coming out and actively calling for the bombing of Cuba by the United States. Wow. Um, you know, I just sent uh, I just sent producer Sean the link. Uh, maybe he can maybe he could throw it up if 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 that's possible. But it's it's just a wild thing to see. The mayor of Miami, a Cuban American named Francis Suarez, goes on Fox News and he says. Uh, yeah, you know, we need to do like a military coalition uh, and, you know, like uh, getting in. But like, we you know we've done it in the past. We've done it. We've done it in the past. And like in other countries, like in like in Panama and like in Kosovo. And like, I'm just saying, like, we need a military coalition to, you know, like uh, and, the, and the host like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Are you advocating for like airstrikes on Cuba? It's like, I think we need to like discuss all the options on the table, you know, like um, and listen, I think that. Any conversation in the United States that doesn't begin and end with the United States ending its undeclared war on Cuba that has lasted since 1959 um, and continues through this very day through vicious economic sanctions, which impoverish and starve the well, Cuban can, people. Nando, because we always hear about the sanctions. Can you walk people through like as quickly as you can so we don't get bogged down in it but like walk people through what it means that cuba is sanctioned by the united states like practically what does it mean it means basically that they it, it just it it just affects in a negative way cuba's domestic economy if the most powerful nation in the world the largest economy in the world the nation that essentially controls international trade and commerce basically refuses to do business with uh, the Cuban government or, or anyone in Cuba for that matter, um, and also actively makes it hard for anyone outside in the rest of the world mm. to do mm. business with Cuba. I mean, think about this. The Trump administration designated Cuba as a state sponsor of terrorism. Okay. Now, imagine if you're a company and uh, based anywhere, and you're thinking about doing business in Cuba, whilst the United States has them designated, designated as a state sponsor of terrorism. 
Are you going to do business with, uh, with, no, with that government? No, it's, it's not like, worth I need it. America as a business yeah. ally way more than I need Cuba. So sorry, you're going to get the short end of the stick, Cuban people. Exactly. Exactly. So the specific aim of the Cuban embargo, the sanctions on Cuba, which is the same thing with the sanctions in Venezuela and the sanctions in, in Iran, is to impoverish and starve the local population so much that they rise up and overthrow their governments. Think yeah. about how cruel that is, is mm -hmm. to starve people into forcing them into, um, you know, destabilizing their own governments. It's vicious and it's and it's a it's like it's economic warfare, which is on top of the actual warfare that the United States has done in Cuba for many, many years. Um, you know, as soon as the Castro uh, regime took over in a revolution in 1959, the the, the American government did bombings in Cuba, terrorist acts in Cuba, airplane hijackings in Cuba, all manner of actual violence uh, towards Cuba, um, not to mention the Bay of Pigs invasion, um, you know, and, and all manner of terrorist campaigns, um, you know, by using like right wing death squads from Central America, all, all manner of, of, uh, of violence toward the Cuban regime. So any conversation in the United States that doesn't begin and end with the United States must end the embargo on Cuba immediately if you want, if you care about at all about the suffering of the Cuban people, which is fair. Like the, 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 you know, Cuba right now is struggling. Why? Because there's been a global pandemic. And what is Cuba's main export to the world? Tourism. During a global pandemic, you can't do tourism. So, you know, there is, there is a, there is a big economic downturn in Cuba. They actually just mm -hmm. also just had a, a big hurricane pass through there. So, you know, if if the largest, most powerful nation in the history of the world, the largest economy in the world, is putting an economic stranglehold over a small, poor Caribbean island, it's going to suffer. I mean, the fact is that the fact that Cuba isn't as bad as, say, Haiti or the Dominican Republic or other, even Puerto Rico, um, in, in many ways, is a goddamn miracle because those countries are client states of the United States. In in the case of Puerto Rico, it's an outright colony of the United States. Um, and those countries are suffering far more than. Well, than Cuba, well, well, but, hold on, um, Nando. But, but, but hold on, hold on. You, you're such a damn hippy, dippy, pie in the sky, limp wrist, leftist, liberal, hippie, idiot. You don't <laughs> even mention the brutal death squads and the killing regime of the Castro family. These guys have killed tortured imprisoned their citizens there's no free press there's no freedoms in the country these people are living under the boot of a freaking crazy authoritarian regime and it's evil what the castro family has done what why, why aren't you talking about that nando i mean i'm happy to talk about it but it's i mean i have very little like the affairs of cuba are up for the cubans to to decide you know, mm -hmm. like I, I as an American and, you know, doing media in America, you know, speaking to other Americans, I can I can I can somewhat influence the affairs of my government and what the government that I uh, am a part of and that I'm a citizen to and that I vote for um, is basically putting the boot on a small, poor island nation and has been doing it for decades. And if mm -hmm. we actually are serious about the suffering of the Cuban people, that's step one. That's this, this is like step one to any to any serious discussion about Cuba has to begin and end with the embargo. Um, you know, the 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 Castro regime is I mean, I'm not saying like I would like to live under, you know, that 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 kind of government or anything like that. But the, the, the reality is that, like, that is up to the Cubans to decide. 
you know, that is up to that is up to the Cubans to decide and not for us to put the noose around their neck and then a gun toward their head and then say, like, now decide, you know, that's what right. that's what drives me crazy about this is that like the, the the number one factor of the suffering of the of the Cuban people is the United States embargo. And what you hear from a lot of Cubans in Miami and even a lot of like progressive Cubans is like, no, 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 it's not the embargo that that's the reason why like, oh, no, the embargo is like not even a big deal. You know, oh, it's not it's not the embargo. It's not, it's it's the it's the regime. The embargo doesn't matter. It's like, oh, if the embargo doesn't matter, then let's, then let's lift it. Right. Then why don't we lift it? You know, if the right. embargo was like was this thing that didn't matter, then we would just lift it. Well, you hear people it, say things like, "Well, the regime would just hoard the resources," or I don't know. I, I like it's hard, like because you only get one, I, or I've only ever my whole life ever gotten one version of events in Cuba, and that's Castro kicked my well-to-do family out. Now he has the citizens in there living in squalor. People have died in the Atlantic Ocean, drowned trying to escape from that fucking place. Um, and he's just a horrible person. If it was so great what he was doing over there, why are people dying, risking life and limb to get the hell out of Dodge in Cuba? He's evil. He's horrible. He's our Hitler. X, Y, and Z. It goes on and on and on. That's the only version of events that I've ever been privy to as an American, as it pertains to, you know, the, 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 the facts on the ground in, in Cuba. I mean, Cuba is a poor nation. Like Cuba is poor. Like, you know, just as there are, like you're from Haiti, Haiti's very poor. poor. There's tons of Haitians, yep. you know, getting on boats and, and coming to the United States 100%, as well. Yep. Um, you know, like, and, and so Cuba is not as poor as Haiti. Haiti is much poorer, but um, you know Cuba is a poor nation. But I I want to play the clip of the mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez. Uh, Producer Sean has it up um, because I, I I think it really captures you know the tone of a lot of the Cuban Americans that exist in Miami and just and just how much they care about the suffering of the Cuban people. Let's play the clip. A repressive government and a cruel U.S. embargo. They deserve policies that empower them and help them improve their lives. Do you think that President Biden, looking at this situation, will lift that embargo? And do you think that's what he should do? No, I don't think the embargo is, is cruel at all. And I think that the Cuban people are not asking for a lifting of the embargo. They're going out in the streets every single day talking about the failure of the communist regime to provide for its people. And I don't understand why that's so difficult for people to understand. It has failed for six decades. And what should be being contemplated right now is a coalition a potential military action in Cuba, similar to what has happened in both administrations, in both Republican and Democrat administrations, in Republican with Bush in Panama, they deposed Noriega, and that country had peaceful democracy for decades. And you had interventions by by Democratic presidents, uh, you know, taking out Osama bin Laden in Pakistan. It's a, a sovereign country where they took out a, a, a terrorist that probably saved thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of lives, and President Clinton in Kosovo intervening in a humanitarian issue uh, with airstrikes. So there have been many, many opportunities uh, in the uh, history of- Are you suggesting airstrikes in Cuba? What I'm suggesting is that that option is one that has to be explored mm -hmm. and cannot be uh, just simply discarded as, as an option that is not on the table. Um, and, and there's a variety of ways the military can do it, but that's uh, that's something that needs to be discussed and needs to be looked at as a potential option in addition to a variety of other options uh, that can be discussed. Yeah. Man, you know what's so funny about that, Nando? It, it's, it's, 
amazing um is the synergy between Haiti and Cuba in the sense that the Haitians in 1804 they you know they finally defeat France after like a 10 to 12 year war and they declare themselves an independent nation and the United States and you know basically all of the European powers say we're not going to recognize them as a country and so Anybody who's doing business with us also isn't going to recognize them as a country. We're going to completely rob them and shut them out. And when we finally do recognize them, we're going to tell them that they owe France reparation for no longer allowing them to be a slave colony. Squeaky doors, clogged sinks, finicky engines. When things break down around the house, you take care of it. However, when something's off in the bedroom, you uh, uh, just try not to think about it. Uh, I, nothing. I was just tired. I, I'm I just stressed a little bit. Come on, man. What are you waiting for? Take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash B-O-M now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash B-O-M and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to GetRoman.com slash B-O-M now. And if you do... Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher-turned-podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum-sealed packaging, it's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com slash dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. You'll get $15 off your first month. It's really time to take care of your ED. And remember, if you get started today, you'll save $15 on your first order of ED treatment. Right. Which and they so, paid. 
Right, which they paid and starved the nation out and set it on this course of perpetual poverty and misery and all of this kind of mm -hmm. stuff. And people say, well, <laughs> you know, why can't the Haitians get their affairs into, in order? Why can't they be like the Trinidads? Why can't they be like the Jamaicas of the world? Why can't they be like Barbados? It's like, well, those countries were informed under the same circumstances, right? Um, and, <laughs> you know. Haiti, the, was a, Haiti was an existential threat to 100%. the United States because it's the only ever successful slave revolt, yep. you know? Um, and that, that just couldn't, they couldn't allow that to succeed no. because they had a bunch of slaves that's, in the United States. That would have been like, bad. yo, yeah. <laughs> marketing, just marketing as a slave yeah. operation. Like just be like, yeah, no, nah, this is cool. This could get, this yeah. can stand. It's like, no, it can't like yeah. it. And, and, you know, and just the news, they were so paranoid about just the news getting out that, successfully slaves had overthrown the fucking mighty French. Like that was just, that was just a non-starter for those guys back then. But yeah, yeah, no, I see the synergy there in the sense that the United States deciding we're not going to fuck with you. We're going to starve you out. And we can do that because we are just fucking all powerful. Um, and the negative effects that it can have on a nation. And this idea that this fool would go on TV and says, they're not asking for the end of the embargo. What do you think would happen from other people opening business in Cuba? Like, what are you talking yeah. about? The history of Cuba is important to understand in that in the Cuba was first uh, colonized by the Spanish, my people. Um, they ran Cuba as a you know brutal colonizing, uh, occupying nation for hundreds of years. It was actually Spain's last colony, and it was the crown jewel in the Spanish Empire. Um, you know, Cuba was the most important colony. Cuba controls the Caribbean. I mean, access to Cuba um, is access to the Caribbean, which, you know, uh, because of the way the trade winds go is 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 the most important, um, you know, kind of part of the of the new world when it comes to, to trade. Um, the Spaniards lose Cuba after the War of 1898, the Spanish-American War, which was provoked by the United States. Um, <laughs> and then the United States essentially took over Cuba. They took over Puerto Rico and Philippines, which were other Spanish colonies as outright colonies. And then Cuba as a sort of de facto colony. Um, you know, it wasn't technically uh, run by the United States, but it was run by the United States. Um, you know, and then uh, we've all seen Godfather 2. It was essentially run by uh, American capital in alliance with uh, the mafia. Um, until the, so the Cubans, like the Cuban people, um, when they uh, kind of rose up, in in 1959 and and deposed the dictator uh batista it, you have to see it as as really kind of a war for independence it wasn't just a you know toppling of of a dictator but really it was a war of independence from the united states and when when you see it in those terms wait before you go on nando before we go on because i think it's important to know like who was cuba working for what cuban citizens was cuba working the way that you wanted it to work back in 1950s like who who were the, the, obviously there were cubans who liked the way that it was before castro came along they wouldn't be still bitching about it in miami yeah i mean it was the it, you know it was the elite that kind of was left over from the from the spanish colonial rule mm -hmm. um you know there was the you know there was a business elite and a sort of educated 
kind of professional elite. There was, you know, lawyers and doctors and things like that. But there was also just kind of like the, the you know, bigger capitalists, people that um, worked with uh, with the, very closely with the regime, as well as with the, you know, organized crime interests uh, in the United States and, and large corporate interests in, in the United States. I mean, there was there was a, a Cuban elite that that was living, you know, a, a very, a very nice life. Um, Cuba is a beautiful place. Um, and uh, but there was this mass of incredibly poor and, and oppressed people, mm. um, you know, especially in the countryside. Were there? Things like that. Were there? There were. Oh, there you were. never hear there about were. that. You never hear no. about that in the mainstream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so if you understand, if you understand that war as a war of independence from the United States, you can see why the virulent sort of response from the United States Makes starts to make a lot more sense because there's war from you know there's there's kind of there's people that topple regimes all over the place, um, but n none have held kind of such a um, such a hold over the American um, uh, kind of imagination as Cuba as Cuba does. Really, it's Cuba and first. Iran. Those are the two that that yeah. just still sticks in their it's fucking they, crawls. <laughs> it's because they beat us. I mean, it was Iran. I mean, people don't realize Iran fucking killed 300 marines in in beirut like working with hezbollah like I iran kicked out the shah in, in a revolution a shah that was controlled by the united states and uh and and th the people rose up and kicked him out and uh you know the like iran was essentially a kind of neo-colony of the united states as well uh from 1953 to 1979 when when the cia deposed uh the democratically elected leader of iran uh, a guy named mossadegh um so once the, the United States doesn't like to lose those neo colonies, they right. don't like to lose it. They don't like it when the people rise up and 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 take their country back. You know, the the nature of the Iran regime is one that I don't like as well. It's a it's a kind of like, uh, you know, a religious fundamentalist uh, uh, regime, but it does have and it has had over the years, especially in the early days, the you know the support of of the the vast majority of the people in Iran. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's just not our business to decide their affairs at all. You know, but the United States has had a hard on for Iran since then um, because they kicked our ass. I mean, that's just what it is. They, also, like, don't forget also that I, I love that you can see the results of Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan and think to yourself, that's what I think the Cuban people deserve. That yeah, just fucking bomb, you know, like like just a fucking bombing campaign. Not, not uh, Iran. I meant to say uh, Libya. Like Libya. no, that's that's what we want for the people of Cuba. We want what happened in Libya. We want what happened in Iraq. We want ISIS. We want a power vacuum to emerge, yeah. and we want a civil war. That's what the Cuban people deserve for sure. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's uh, it's great. Um, no, you 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 love to see it, but uh, it's just. I mean, uh, th this is what I don't. This is what frustrates me. And I know a bunch of like, you know, even like progressive Cubans who I'm friends with and I like and, and you know, uh, I, I like I kind of I can I can empathize with their feeling of like, well, look, something has to be done. And it's like, like what 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 has to be done? Like, what are the policy options available to Joe Biden? We're already doing like brutal economic sanctions on on cuba like we can't like the only what's the next the next step an is invasion. What? an invasion you know and like with regard to the embargo i think it's worth pointing out that the united states is completely isolated in the world on this issue like every like i think it was last month or the month before there was a, a un vote on the on the embargo every single country in the world except for the united states and israel voted to end the embargo there was i think three or four abstentions so there was everyone said yes 
the United States and Israel said no. And I think there was three abstentions. One was Colombia, uh, Ivan Duque, like extreme right-wing maniac, uh, <laughs> Brazil, Brazil's Jair Bolsonaro, and Ukraine uh, were the three countries who abstained. Even though, like, even the abs absurd, like, insane right-wing maniac Jair Bolsonaro couldn't bring himself to vote no, you know, they just abstained. Um, the only countries were uh, the United States and uh, Bibi Netanyahu in, in Israel who voted no. Right. Um, the embargo is recognized by the entire world, okay, as a morally obscene act of economic warfare that the United States is doing. Again, any conversation in the United States about like what to do in Cuba begins and ends with ending the embargo. There is literally nothing else we should do. You know, there is nothing else that the United States should do in Cuba. You know, if then Cubans will, you know, handle their own affairs and however they see fit, but we just don't have the moral right, the practical right, uh, the practical mechanism to do anything. Like, say you say you think the regime is awful. Like, let's grant that. You know, what what is to be done about it? The answer is lift the embargo. Um, so, yeah. So I that's mean, that. And, and so we, we move on to Haiti, where... Last week, I think it was on Wednesday morning, the president had been assassinated, President Jovenel, um, and his wife had been shot. Luckily, she survived her wounds. Um, so much has come out since last week. We didn't do it last week because it was like, bro, we don't know anything. But the more I started reading, the more I started listening to radio programs, the more it became obvious that this was a rift between the ruling class oligarchs of Haiti. Um, these people have dominated the country for decades, right? It's a small amount of elites um, who hoard the resources, who, yeah, when the Clintons want to come in there and build some type of resort or do whatever, they're doing it in concert with the elites. When the aid money comes in, it's the elites in charge of disseminating it. When it comes to roads being built, indoor plumbing, et cetera, et cetera, it's only their neighborhoods that are getting taken care of. These people have essentially ruled the country for decades, right? Um, and again, the part that people need to understand, this is with the tacit approval of the United States government. Nothing happens in Haiti without the United States government being directly involved in it. There was a legitimate popular uprising with Ari Steed in the 90s. Like that was legitimate left-wing uprising. Like these dudes did this shit in secret. There was a fucking conspiracy. It's that, a like, crazy story. It's crazy. Like that was a legitimate populist groundswell. Like they were they were literally having secret meetings about it. Like literally in, in the ghettos. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so, yeah. And, but even Ari Steed, of course, you know, you get in that position, he gets corrupted and everything that happens. And in his second go round, he was, he had the tacit approval approval because he was still a popular guy, even when he got ousted and he left. So the U S was like, all right, you're a useful pawn now let's partner together. But then they got tired of him and then whatever. Right, but again, that also the Marines all that came in and kidnapped him. Yeah, <laughs> the Marines <laughs> fucking the U.S. Marines fucking went into Haiti and dude. kidnapped the fucking president. Dude, listen, <laughs> listen. All of that is to say that nothing moves in Haiti without the tacit approval of the United States government. And once I see, first of all, the neighborhood that the guy lived in, the president lived in, this neighborhood called Pétionville, which is essentially a suburb of Port-au-Prince, the capital city of Haiti. 
Port-au-Prince is a city of 3 million people. Like, it's a fucking major metropolitan hub, essentially. It's the biggest, most concentrated um, population of people in the country. And Pétionville, I, I've, I've been to Pétionville, right? Like, that's where you go when you want to go do, like, a pool resort shit for the day. When you want to <laughs> see some... When you want to see some nice shit in Haiti, like, like nice shit that you that can compare to something that you might see in America, you go to Pétionville. Like, it's a rich neighborhood. It's a well-to-do, upper-class Haitian neighborhood. So once I hear that eight trucks roll through that neighborhood where rich people live, people with means, people with security, I already knew somebody of means, people of means had to be the ones to carry this thing out. Because yeah. guess what? If a bunch of street dudes... The minute they show up, they're getting shot at. Like, yeah. everybody knows the street dudes. Everybody knows what, yeah. what, yeah. Haitians, what we call male is. Like, everybody knows the poor ghetto people of the community. You can't, they're not just going to stroll into the president's fucking crib and gun them down. That's not happening. So, all of that is to say this is just a war between the ruling classes of Haiti. The elites, some elites decided they didn't want this guy around anymore. They 100% had the tacit approval of the U.S. Because you cannot do some shit like this to a guy that the U.S. fucks with. Because as you can see anywhere else, as we mentioned with Cuba, as we mentioned with Iran, et cetera, et cetera, you don't just do that to the U.S.'s guy. Popular uprising or not, that's not fucking happening. So these people who carried out this assassination pay for it, I would bet... Everything in my bank account, they had the tacit approval of the American government. Like, all right, fuck it, take them out. We don't care. And so they did this, and that's what happened. Well, Waz, were you shocked when you saw the report in the Daily Beast that said that several of the people who carried out the assassination were U.S. DEA informants? Uh, I, I don't know if you saw I that. Not, they were I did not informants. see that. Of course. Yeah. Of course. They were a lot of the people. So this was carried <laughs> out by like, commandos like not like this was not yeah. like a drive-by shooting no. you know this these were like well-trained like if Former you watch them the like, officers. Like, you know call of duty style you know like they have yep. that like crouch stance like while they're holding the guns mm -hmm. you know like they very highly trained uh commandos who apparently yelled that they were they were dea as they were mm -hmm. kind of running in so all the guards were like yeah just go right through you know like mm -hmm. um and then they off this guy shot his wife, um, even though she survived. Um, and it was a bunch of Colombians. Twenty apparently it was twenty six Colombians, two Haitian Americans, um, one of whom used to work for Sean Penn, which is kind of just another weird quirk to this story. Mm -hmm. um, but they weren't, yeah, like they, like you said, they weren't like street thugs. These guys were all hardened, uh, you know, like special forces types. Most of them Colombian, which is like a, you know, they all have tons of experience fighting the longest civil war. Uh, like I think the longest ever, yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, so, like the all of them, you know, financed and trained by the by the United States as well. Um, so, and then it comes out that these guys were hired. This was broken by the AP. These guys were hired out of a private security for firm out of Miami. You know what I hate? After a long day of work, dealing with people, being stressed, I gotta figure out what to eat that night i don't feel like cooking but i don't want to eat something that's bad for me like junk food i want something healthy i want to eat something that tastes good and i don't want to work too hard or pay too much to do it well guess what what you really want if you're like me is freshly 
That's right. Freshly offers chef-made, nutrient-packed, delicious meals delivered fresh to your door. No cooking required. Grocery shopping and cooking can be a pain, especially right now. And with Freshly, you don't have to. Your meals arrive cooked and fresh every week so you can keep your fridge stocked and skip the trip to the store. Ordering is easy. All you got to do is visit Freshly.com and choose from over 30 delicious, satisfying, better-for-you meals like steak peppercorn, sausage baked penne, or their chicken pesto bowl. I love the chicken pesto bowl. Freshly can fit your lifestyle with a variety of plans and meals to pick from that work for your dietary needs, preferences, tastes, and family size. Now our listeners can try Freshly for just $6.16 per meal. Stop searching the internet for healthy food near me every night and start living life freshly. Your meals are always delivered fresh, never frozen, and are ready to heat and enjoy in just three minutes. With new meals added each week, Freshly brings the convenience of chef-made, nutritionist-designed classics right to your kitchen. Right now, Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off your first two orders when you go to Freshly.com slash b-o-m stop stressing about dinner go to freshly.com slash b-o-m for forty dollars off your first two orders that's freshly.com slash b-o-m for forty dollars off your first two orders do yourself a favor get freshly and i was Mm -hmm. like what the fuck (laughs) you know like like you said, I don't think this was like Joe Biden calling up and being like, no, 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 no. It was like, it was like, they got permission from whoever they liaise with when it comes to the government of like, we'll yo, the we're, other way. we're thinking about doing this thing. All right. I ain't getting yeah. my hands dirty. Y'all do what y'all do. But we like, yeah. the, I'm sure the American government wasn't calling the shots, but they knew. You can't do something like this to a guy that the U.S. is backing. You just can't do it. They will fuck your shit up if you try to do something like that. So, of course, they got permission. And again, and again, the people who have ruled Haiti forever, for decades, is this same bourgeoisie ruling class. And so they're going to have tensions amongst each other. Right. And, you know, I watched the segment that you did on Jacobin where it's like, yo, there's this like fucking street underbelly growing that this guy's not taking care of. Um, He's trying to make himself president for longer. Like, nah, fuck that shit. We're getting this dude out of there. And again, how you know there was some money behind it. Like, bro, 30 fucking dudes. Like, like even in, if in, wanna, in like eight black Nissan Pathfinders. Well, you even know? if you want to say they probably got a thousand dollars each, or fifteen hundred, or two thousand dollars each, like there's not a lot of people in Haiti that can just put together sixty thousand G's, bro, to do yeah. some type of shit like this. Yes, that's not a lot of money in our parlance, but trust me, in the context of Haitian life, there's a very small amount of people. Who can yeah. not, not even if you have 60 G's yourself, you can put 60 G's together to yeah. do this, not to like, yo, build some shit or make a crazy crib or build a school. No, to just kill somebody, get somebody killed. Yeah. Like, 
that's an extravagance. Yeah. <laughs> that's an extravagance and, for a country that has plenty of guns, plenty of people who shoot people, like that you could get to do it for like two hundred dollars. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's an extravagance. That's how you know it came from the ruling elite. And Vice has a, a Vice has a, a like a 45 minute documentary that that came out before this assassination was happening. But it was it mentioned it talked about it was a it was a documentary about the political crisis in Haiti. And I have my issues with Vice and and all this stuff, but I think it's still worth watching the um, the documentary because it describes the political crisis, which was basically you know this, there's been massive protests in Haiti for like two years. No one fucking liked this guy, um, but at the same time, because like shit is getting so bad in Haiti. Um, there's been this kind of uh, uh, street gang alliance that has been forming called the G9, where like a bunch of different gangs kind of got together um, and like quote, put aside their differences um, and are uniting, and they control as much as a third of Port-au-Prince. And I think that that's what's key to understanding here. You know, like it's that the 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 local bourgeoisie was like, "Yo, you got to get this under control." And like he was, he like wasn't doing it. Or, you know, he was unwilling or unable or or whatever to get this kind of like rising, violent power of the street gangs um, under control. So they were like, "You got to go. He's got to get out of here." You know, he was he was trying to cling to one more year of power, and uh, you know, it's debated debatable whether he had like a legitimate claim to that or not. It doesn't really matter. The point is that they wanted him out, and he wanted to stay for a year. And they're like, "All right, fine." We'll take you out. <laughs> um, it's a pretty fucking wild story, man. Yeah, and again, the part where a private American security firm, which is just basically a private army, which I don't know why this isn't a bigger part of the, the discussion. The like story. the idea that we have private fucking armies for hire, like, and that shit is just cool. Like, it, it, like, it, <laughs> I don't, understand the concept of a pri private armies in America when we're spending a trillion dollars a year on military. What are we spending yeah. it on? <laughs> well, I mean, it's a transfer. I mean, what it is, it's a transfer of wealth uh, exactly. from, from the public, you know, from the public taxpayer to private shareholders. I mean, is what it is. Um, producer Sean's telling us he's got a, he's got some video on Haiti. Maybe it's worth uh, him throwing it Let's up. Please play that. Tonight, Haiti is a country under siege. As the manhunt for the killers of President Moïse ramps up, more than a dozen captured in the last 24 hours, with at least seven others killed. One of those arrested, a U.S. citizen from Florida, James Solage. Authorities still trying to figure out why a hit squad of roughly two dozen men assassinated the president. Tonight, we're learning President Moïse was shot 12 times in the head and body. His wife shot three times, and their daughter survived only because she hid in a bedroom and managed to escape. Former Prime Minister Laurent Lemotte is calling for an international investigation. This was a contracted hit to go in and kill the president, silence the president. We cannot wait. The world cannot wait. It's important for every Haitian's security and for the country's stability to get to those who have um, financed this assassination of the president. Moise had become increasingly unpopular for clinging to power after his term expired in February. Protesters had been demanding his resignation for months before he was killed. A new power struggle has begun, and in the Haitian capital, the fear is palpable. What is going on? Because we do not understand the game on the ground. We do not know who the players are. We do not know what the purpose is. We do not know what, how it's going to influence the future of us 
now here today and my children. Because what we're living today is going to be dictating the future of my children. A country so familiar with turmoil, now forced to endure a new crisis. Vladimir Dutier, CBS News, New York. Just a, it's just a wild story. Um, yeah. It's, you know, um, again, like, I think that these, the presence of these private contractors, I mean, it, and details are still coming out about them, but, like, it seems like the guy who runs it is this Venezuelan guy out of Miami. And he's the same guy that Richard Branson hired to do his, uh, to do security for uh, the concert that he did on the border between Colombia and Venezuela. I don't know if you remember that. That was all like a fucking CIA operation. Uh, pretty <laughs> obviously like that Richard Branson financed and this guy did the private security for it. I mean, it's just, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of smoke there. I mean, these guys mm -hmm. were all, informants they were uh you know working out of miami i don't know it just seems pretty crazy i mean i'll i'll, I'll remind people that just last year um another private security company out of south florida was hired to do a coup d'etat in venezuela they the were a lot less venezuela. successful than these cats a lot less successful than these cats for various reasons it looks like the guys that they hired were much bigger jokers it looks like these guys are fucking mm -hmm. serious like hardened right. you know mercenaries um right. You know, this, they they hired Colombians instead of Americans, which means that they're just more, you know, they're they're harder. Uh, but and also just the the Haitian state is much weaker than Venezuela, yep. which is a much more militarized state. Yep. Um, you know, just has much more robust uh, ability to defend itself uh, than the Haitian president, who, you know, for all we know, the the Haitian uh, security services were also like, this guy's got to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows who else was in on this shit for sure? Like, just the idea that you would let these fools in to the compound of the fucking president of the country just because they just said they walked in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. buddy. That's that's just unacceptable. You know, yeah. but again, you know, as with anything else, the the results of the country can be blamed on nobody else but the people who make the decisions. And that's the American government and that's the Haitian elites. They're to blame yeah. for all of this shit. There's no two ways about it. And, you know, I mentioned the Clintons before, Nando and his Jacobin piece, mentioned the food dumping programs. Uh, that Clinton spearheaded, which he admitted was a whole unmitigated fucking disaster. Uh, Hillary Clinton was part of quashing a minimum wage hike from $3 a workday to $5 a workday <laughs> at Levi's manufacturing that. plants. Couldn't, could, Levi's couldn't afford to pay those Haitians $5 a day? Come yeah. on, nigga. <laughs> Just deplorable, just disgusting. But yeah, you know, as with everything else, people always say, you know, that's what the, the right wing will always say or like certain type of libertarian or arch capitalist would be like, oh, you want to blame everybody else for your problems. It's like, no, like th there really are the people to blame for the problems, though. That, yeah. that, that, that's, when you have the most powerful people in the world with the boot yeah. on your neck. Uh, nah, you know. They're the ones to blame. Yeah. So, you know, when yeah. you guys are watching... The things in the news that are going on in Haiti and Cuba. I hope that we were able to provide a certain type of context. Um, that's our show for today. My man Nando is going to be on vacation next week, going to Spain, España. Um, can you that's tell right. us what you plan on doing? Well, how long are you going to be in Spain? What's going on? Be there about 11 days. I'm going to Madrid, Barcelona, and the little island called Ibiza. I am so listening jelly. to the Venga boys. You know, we're going to Ibiza with the Venga boys and we're going to party. It's going to be great. 
I love it. I'm very jealous of you. Very happy for you. But we will have an episode next week. Um, don't worry. It's not going to skip a beat. Uh, but yes, Nando, enjoy your vacation. Thank you, producer Sean. Thank you for everybody who listens to the show. Support us. Make sure, sure you subscribe to the Woke Bros feed. Listen to the individual feed, please. Everywhere you get your podcasts, um, count the um, patreon.com backslash count the dings. Make sure you become a Patreon if you have the chance to. We're out of here, y'all. Peace. Later. <laughs>